run. Hello and welcome to another episode of Here's What You Could Have Run podcast. This is a bit of a follow-on from the one I did earlier in the week, recounting my less than successful attempt at the Track 100 by Cobain Events. I did say on that I would try and get someone on to talk about actually finishing the event, and I managed to do one better than that, and I've managed to get the guy who actually won it. There's a great bloke called Mike. Um, he's got one hell of a story to tell. He's certainly... Um, He's experienced the highs and the lows of ultra running and has uh, failed more 100 milers than he's completed and finished at least one of them in A&E. So it's certainly a, an interesting story. And going into the track 100, I think if you're a better man, you certainly wouldn't put money on him being the one to finish it and finish it in a quite frankly ridiculous time of just over 15 hours, which as we noticed towards the end of this is the equivalent of four four-hour marathons back-to-back. There's a lot of people that would struggle to run a single four-hour marathon, myself included in current fitness. So doing four of them in the weather we had over the weekend just gone is ridiculous. It's quite a long podcast, so I'll do less waffling and get straight to it. Joining me now is Mike, who is fresh from a rather impressive uh, go at the Track 100, where he... uh, he ran even better than I did, which is amazing, because I did it awesomely, as you might have heard in the previous podcast. Um, so, Mike, thanks for joining us. Hiya. And, uh, That's all right. Yeah, you're, yeah you, we won't give too much away, but you did particularly bloody brilliantly uh, the weekend, so well done on that. But we'd like to kind of talk at first how you got into running. So, what kind of kicked it off, and what have you been up to prior to uh, running round and round a track for 400 laps? Wow, I don't even like track running. I didn't really <laughs> like track running at school. Is that why you quickly, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I don't train on, train on tracks. Um, I, I run forever. I ran from school. Um, I went and did a sports course at college. I wanted to try and go in the army, but that didn't happen because I got migraines. Um, and I started running to and from college. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll have a go at London Marathon. So I entered the ballot. and what that and the army meant I started doing a bit of running entered a local 10 mile in 1997 and then joined their running club but have been with them ever since and only changed my first claim club away from them this year um and yeah so 10 mile road race then um they basically said you're too young don't do a marathon um and then How I were you back then 17 Okay, yeah, I think um, you can't and then, now. You're not even allowed to, are you, to 18 now? But I suppose back then you probably were a bit could if you wanted to. And then um, eventually got a ballot entry into London, which was a bit easier back then, in 2005. Okay. Um, that was the first one. And how did that go then, as your first marathon? Did you train properly? I thought you were the club, you said, so presumably you followed a, a yeah, um, I can't really remember. Probably trained reasonably. Um, and I'd have, I'd have done halves and I probably would have done some decent long runs as well. Um, 3.25, I think. First marathon. Um, and then 2008, I did Hastings, which was their 100th anniversary marathon. Um, 
and well i was entered for luton and it was a damn cold day and i think it's something like a car slipped on ice or something and literally they cancelled the race when we were all at the race yeah and the organizers <laughs> of hastings said we can get an extra couple of hundred of you or whatever in if you want to come and do it and some other club mates were doing it so i got a lift down with them um and that was a sub three with a minor toilet stop between or a major yeah. toilet stop between some beach huts um so despite the university off, still went on and got us up to it then a lot of people would have you know mm-hmm. stood in the start line uh, bend it off and gone to the pub but not, yeah, yeah but I, I was properly up for it and that was i mean i did start too quick and slow down but um and then sped up again after i'd had a toilet break but um yeah, that sort of kicked it off. And after that, it, I pretty much had London time most years uh, and did one, probably only one marathon a year for a while. Then it moved to spring and autumn. Did Abingdon a couple of times. Oh, yeah, quick. Um, size, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, I, don't want, I don't know how much you want me to sort of keep rambling on. Switched up to ultras in 2015. Yeah, because most people would sort of, a lot of people would stop about that, wouldn't they? You know, a couple of marathons a year would, you know, is what a lot of runners stay at and kind of chip away, maybe improve their time and don't well, go any further because they're worried about getting slow. Well, I was chasing um, my PB sat at 2.52 for about six years um, and it probably could have gone incrementally quicker, but I was chasing 2.45. And I had a lot of blow-ups going for 2.45 when maybe I wasn't in shape or I had a bad day. And I, I mean, there was at least one that turned into like four and a half hours and plenty of others where <laughs> I just managed to hold it under three or I really didn't give a shit and it was three and a half hours or something. Yeah. Um, and then... The 2.45 championship, isn't it, for blokes? Yeah. For that. Um, and then... Both that and ultras kind of came together from, um, so I ended up single um, in 2015 um, and by, that was in January, by September, I kind of realised, oh, and I'd I'd quit running basically because if I'm not doing well, I don't like running. Yeah. Almost. And I went back to college and I decided I couldn't train properly to get good results or times i would be happy with it doesn't have to be a doesn't have to be like podiums it's just like me improving and getting pbs mm. um i couldn't do that well and study well and if i did either one i probably wouldn't do the other one very well so i stopped running for a while um but then by the september i wasn't running i was single um not um so i needed to start running again and i had no money so my dad paid some entry fees um and what is the point in going and doing a 10k if you're out of shape and you spend longer traveling to it than you normally do so i did long trail races and trail marathons because that's a challenge it's always a challenge whether you're in good shape or not i think i did five um in autumn winter of 2015 i did um clarendon way marathon jog shop jog 20 down near brighton uh portsmouth coastal okay. i did phoenix running at walton on thames yeah the back to, i was there as well and i was certainly not quick as you i have to say 
Well, yeah. So yeah, that's probably the first. It's time amazing we how people like you are at the yeah. same events as each other without realizing things. And was that yeah. the first time so, you, yeah. you put you did fifty k there, didn't you? Yeah, that was my first ultra. Because it's a six-hour, many laps as you like format, isn't it? For yeah. Nick? So obviously, people do anything from one to ridiculous long, like fifty k, like you did. And you finished on actually thirty-three miles for in four hours seven minutes. Yeah, and that was um quick. <laughs> I, I, that one was, it was always intended to be my first ultra and I certainly like Back to the Future so it was a, a nice one to go and do um, but oh, I only saw the Facebook memory the other day, I had to um, I think I went I can't, I might, I can't remember what I was aiming for, it was it would have been three at worst, but I went out at might have been 640 pace or something for 20 miles and then gradually faded still got the sub three and then just ground out for another sort of hour to get up to um 33 miles and to make sure i ticked over that 50k i didn't want to do the um one lap less and do that well it's a sort of ultra no 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 it's got to be over 50k yeah funny enough i arrived late because i had bad traffic that day but that was the furthest i ran as well i did the marathon then i think two more laps so I think you were probably home in bed by the time I finished, having been slower and started an hour late. But there you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, well, isn't it? Then, so that was there. That was October. Portsmouth Coastal was Christmas. Um, I can't remember what I did. My, I've had, I've done that a number of times, and that's one, another one um, that seems to have a bit of a bad rep, and I love it. Um, I've done. Is that 252 one's there. By a skip company or something. It, it is in current times, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's always been sponsored by a skip. Um, but um, we've had a couple of years where it's been really cold for weeks and we've not had rain and it's been really dry and really far. It's the flattest marathon I know. Okay. Um, now, there may be others I haven't done, but I've done Abingdon and a number of others. Um, and, I, and yeah, there's a couple of sections of each. Um, which, depending on the tide and things, can be a bit boggy. So you're going to lose time there. But in terms of actual elevation, I don't think you find a flatter marathon than Portsmouth Coastal. Um, and when it's dry, all, all 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 around the bay and down and back on the Hale and Billy line, it's fast. Um, that and then Thames Trot 50 miler in February 2016. Yeah. Um, and that was the first sort of big one claimed to be 50 it's more like 48 uh, and that went really well um, I wore road shoes and it was <laughs> boggy as anything in the first 10 miles um, yeah because it's always a bit muddy that race isn't it yeah, I, I had no real concept of it and I decided I wanted the extra cushioning of road shoes hmm. um, and, it, and that may have helped me later in the race because it meant I couldn't physically start too quick and I was away down the field because I was slip sliding and going sideways and I couldn't really overexert myself um, and then I came back reasonably strong um, and I think it was about I was just outside the top 10 um, did 7 hours 11 I think something like that that was your first nearly 50 then yeah so that was the one that got me um, entry into centurion and stuff um and i did ox ultra the first year so it was only 36 miles that year okay um but all of that and sort of um uh, the big one at, um 
Whatever one we were just talking about. Tim Strott. Oh, Tim Strott, yeah. Tim Strott, yeah. So, Tim, Tim Strott, 50. And then it might have only been one week later, Bramley, 20. And I paced one of the, our, our girls uh, in the club, who was my housemate as well. And um, she's like a sub three hour female runner. So, I paced her around Bramley um, reasonably quickly. The week um, after a, a far 50 miles. Yeah. <laughs> so so that that all built into the into me suddenly having a, a much better marathon. And I dropped down to 2.47 at London, but with a toilet stop. It still wouldn't have been sub 2.45, so I wasn't actually that guy that I'd had yeah. to stop. Um, and then I did, a lot of people did that a few more times that year. Ultras, aren't they? That they're going to lose speed, but you actually dropped a bit and got quicker. I think it was just the better endurance mm. and the miles that I'd put in mentally thinking, oh, I've got 50 miles to do in a race, so I better train harder, longer or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that you know, sort of got me there. Saying earlier, after you've, you've mentioned you've got your Viking 100 top on, that was your first 100 mile, you were saying. Yeah, that was 2017. Um, so the rest of 2016 went well and I did... Uh, 247 at London and then a 245 at Dartford. They've got one they call the Midnight Marathon. Um, I've seen that one. Which is start at eight and finish by midnight. Um, yeah, it was another lapped one. Um, might have been, I can't remember, quite a few laps, but not, it wasn't straight. It might have been eight or ten laps, something yeah. like that. Um, and that was right. That was pretty flat but it had a little climb in which therefore you did 10 times or something yeah, um got 2.45 then. i did i did 2.45 and i won it and that was i think that was probably my first and possibly my only marathon win mm-hmm. uh, so i was really happy with that it is a bit like david ellard says pick 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 your races or whatever yeah definitely Bloody so, um but that was actually kind of the start of the craziness because that was a night a Saturday night race, and then I got in the car, drove straight to Bournemouth, slept in the car, and did another mar- another marathon the next morning. Was that uh, the, the, the main Bournemouth marathon? Was it? Or the, uh, no, uh, Little Down Leisure Centre one. Um, Little oh, Down yeah. Harrow's put it on. Um, so that was twenty six one mile laps. Um, so yeah, I've done a few things with a laps in, and I've done sort of back to back marathons. And before that, I'd already done some which were like a week apart. So then it started getting a bit silly. Uh, and then Christmas 16, my birthday's right right around then. Uh, so I did Phoenix, three three marathons in three days. Um, and again, every, a couple of friends came down for the middle day, which was my birthday, including Sarah. So paced her, um, she didn't want to do a half, but that, that was my first and possibly my only negative slip marathon. And it was a very comfortable three hour marathon because I started out at a sensible pace running with her instead of going off like that. Yeah. Um, so we did 3.26, three hours and 3.03 across three days. That's, um, that's impressive. I mean, there's quite a lot of people did multiple marathons back to back, but not at that sort of pace. And then still the same week, because it was Christmas, managed to put in three park runs and they were <laughs> in the sort of high 17s. Um, so it was sort of a bit of both there. I still managed to maintain the speed. And that led me into 2017 when I came off that week, had a two-week break, and then put in a decent 14 weeks, um, three weeks on, one week off, all the way up, um, probably a couple of weeks taper. Um, And London, 
17, I finally got the sub 245 and went straight in 241.56. But I've been injured since February of 2017. So I did that injured and I even had a bit of cramp in it. So I know there's more on the table, but I may never get back to that. Um, I've had a pelvis injury issue since February 17. And that's when the ultras really started coming because yeah. I can't really sustain a speed or a hill training workload anymore. Um, it's osthesis, pubic synthesis or something. And the way the, um, the NHS wouldn't really do much, um, but luckily I had a triathlete for a doctor um, and he referred me and I spent a bit of money and eventually I still got kind of got the same answer, which was, basically rest um and do a few physio exercises but it was more of a definitive diagnosis of this is what it is and uh what's his name mark somebody begins with w uh and he's um uh, director of medicine or something for hampshire cricket and something football club uh and he's a groin specialist um at nuffield health so he knows okay. his stuff um, and the way he described it is basically imagine you've got an old oak tree in a storm and the wind blows it over and the roots break up the ground around it. So it, it, the ligaments or whatever have pulled, so almost pulled out of the pelvis. So it, it's like it's like a stress fracture on your pelvis, micro, micro fractures in your pelvis. Um and it's not even a running injury generally. Um, it's more common in football and rugby um, or in day-to-day life, lift, lifting and twisting. It's a yeah. sort of twisting and shearing thing. Is there anything that so, do for it then or is it just like you said? Sort of no, not really. Um, yeah, sort of live with it. Um, I did some... I, I've never been one for stretching or strength work and core work or anything. Um, I did... Uh, use the credit card and to pay for a couple of sessions of physio a week for a couple of months um and probably did see some improvement but it didn't go away um but given that we couldn't really place how or when it happened it's one of those things where it gradually gets worse over time we couldn't pinpoint a trigger on it um but annoyingly i've been a bus driver since 2003 um and that's kind of a va- well I went back to college and started studying accountancy. So it's now only been a part-time job, but it basically evaporated in March with COVID. Um, They didn't need their casual drivers anymore. Um, And we had wondered if that was, had a factor in it because you're, you're sat your left leg is at rest and down and your right leg is knee high and then sort of going down and you're constantly flexing your right foot. Your pelvis is tipped asymmetrically. Um, and by some coincidence or not, I didn't even feel my pelvis on Sunday mm-hmm. or Saturday, whenever the race was. <laughs> well, both. So, so the fact that I've not driven in six months, eight months now, um, but that's annoying because if I start driving again, it starts hurting again. I kind of have to choose, do I want to live with this discomfort in life and problem with running, but continue with that employment or not? Um, yeah, and even things like camping, bowling with the kids would make it hurt. Playing football, I don't, I'm not into football, but like you got to have a kick around with the lad. And like, so turning your sort of inside your foot to sort of pass the ball, that kind of action would make it hurt. Um, 
So I'm I'm basically the least injured that I've been in the last three years, which Although is pretty all good. This time you've been injured, you've been setting ridiculous times. So. Uh, oh, I don't know about ridiculous times. Well, I think Championship um, at London, most people consider, is pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> I basically kind of ignored, ignored, tried to ignore the injury, dropped all speed work, all heel work, um, and eventually even dropped the marathon tempo workout later on and only was getting miles in. Uh, got London done, and then I can't remember the order. I either went and did Viking 100 and then Dorch to Marathon, White Star. Um, yeah. or it was the other way around, whichever way they came in the calendar. They were already entered. I was in great shape, so I wanted to do them. Um, I, was, I really wanted the Viking 100 T-shirt. That's what I, why I went and did it. Um, and then after that, I thought, right, uh, now I'll have a rest. And I just assumed it was going to heal like any other running-induced injury would within a few weeks or a month, and it didn't. So I had to start seeing physio and stuff and pretty much wrote off the rest of 2017 um but in 2017 i was volunteering at the centurion races so i had these 400s entered for the following year so well uh, why not and i know i also had a, a free run at brighton because i got the london championship time um oh, so i went i I did three three-mile runs at six-minute mile pace and then went and did Brighton. Um, that went well for 19 miles. Um, and then it didn't go quite so well. Um, but it was still solid. It, uh, I got around in 3.07. Um, so I thought, oh, that's, that's, that's fine. Um, so I obviously went to London a week later as well uh, because I'd, I had to take the championship place. I've been working to gain it for six oh, years. God, yeah, exactly. um, and my housemate, Sarah, also had it. So we went to the championship start, um, ran with her for a couple of miles and then realised what a stupid fool I was. Um, and I, having started on the championship start, I um, ambled around in about six hours. <laughs> <laughs> so you have been passed by pretty much sort of 30,000 people. I dread to think, yeah. I, 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 I knew it may not go well. And, I, and unlike if I was racing, I took my phone with me. Um, and I and I ran three miles at sort of sub three pace with her and thought, yeah, no, I'll let you go. Uh, see you later. Ran a couple more miles at a sort of training pace and then realised that this really wasn't a great idea. Yeah. And But given that I had several hundreds coming up, I thought, right, we'll just, just slow it right down, enjoy it see the kids, high-five, take oranges off people, stop and take photos of the band. And I just had a brilliant time. And when you get the, the loop around um, Canary Wharf, yeah. so I, I stopped at that loop bit uh, so I could see Sarah coming back the other way and I cheered her <laughs> uh, and then sort of ambled around some more. Loads of people I, I knew from our my road running club, Lords Hill Roadrunners. Um, past me, so I was sort of cheering them all on and stuff. Um, and it, and it, it, it was it was probably one of my best London experiences because I really got to soak it all in uh, and and see it all. Which yeah, when you're trying to run actually, sub yeah. three, you don't you don't really yeah, it's noisy. Um, but when you're trying to run sub three, it's so so busy, and you you're just sort of ushered along with everyone else. Um, and you don't, you can sort of enjoy it, but you don't appreciate it as much, I don't think. Mm. So that that was that was much better. 
So that was 2018 then. So yeah, you're in for the Grand Slam at St. Jury's. Yeah. Um, so you've done one before. How did the first one go? What time did you get the Viking then? Uh, Viking, I think, was 27 hours 52. Um, I went off a bit quick. I don't know my split offhand, but I had a reasonably solid first 50. Uh, and somehow a couple, a couple of hours evaporated in my car because <laughs> the HQ was like a farmhouse and your cars yeah. were there and you could get in your vehicle if you want. You could get your stuff out. I was, uh, yeah, I remember slightly. I was, um, I went out on one lap and it was still daylight and I was warm and I felt I was going all right. Uh, and somewhere around that lap, I suddenly wasn't going all right and it, it was cold and it got dark and my sweaty back then became chilled and damp and I was sort of weaving and staggering slightly and because it was lapped which was really good it meant you were seeing other people who were who if it was a point to point would have been hours and hours behind you yeah. um, and this these couple of women gathered me up uh, reassured me or assured me that uh that there wasn't a bench or a seat they'd sit on. That was just wet grass. And really, I should probably walk with them back to. And I was like, oh, I don't want to like mess up your race. Like, no, no, we're just, we're having a chat. We're wandering along. Just so they got me back to the farmhouse. I climbed in my car, and I think all I did was towel off, change my clothes, and go again. But somehow that took over two hours. Um, I mean, that's still that's still yeah, solid finish time for under Marder and any hundreds you know, good to finish, but yeah, some might say that sort of time compared to what you're running for a marathon, you're obviously not quite tapped into your potential. Did it not put you off that you said God's hundreds aren't for me? Cause um, I'm, you know, I'm probably, you know, middle stroke back of the pack at that sort of time. No, I, I don't know when Centurion first came onto my radar, but um, I'd done the Viking and I was probably already down to volunteer at Centurion by then. Um, um, and I did them. Um, and they're great, and it was a great community. Um, I re- enjoyed seeing the, the the events and other people. And if you're on checkpoints, you can see how people are handling things and what food they're carrying, what equipment they're carrying. Um, some of the people that got that are going uh, quicker and have got their crew there, and you sort of watch and learn and ask questions. Maybe not ask questions of the leaders; they don't want to ask <laughs> answer right, questions yeah. while, while they're running through. Um, so yeah, I had a great time volunteering at them, um, and then I thought, well, yeah, I'm still going to take these places up. Like, it's not like you're training for a 10k. I, I can go out for a three-hour run. I'm a bit injured, but I can still run for three or four hours easily, like comfortably. So yeah, it'll be fine. So uh, we had a crack. Unfortunately, 2018 was also a bit of a hot year, so Tennis Path was scorchio. Um, I think that's, that I just I think that's a year I ran it. Uh, yeah, it was. It was probably it's the hottest bang on a day on record. So uh, yeah, I got to um, I got to fifty two miles at that one and pulled out at Henley. Um, there was um, there's a picture floating around somewhere of me sat in a chair looking like death, uh, like the scream mask with the yeah, hello face. Yeah, oh, that's quite a famous uh, photo. And <laughs> Uh, I quite, uh, it's almost a mistake because I, I had a friend who doesn't do ultras and doesn't, has run in the past, but doesn't run anymore due to other medical issues. 
um, bad back and such like. Um, but having a, someone there with a car crew in you kind of makes it very, very easy to DNF. Um, yeah. And that's the thing with point to points. When you're thinking, oh, if I leave this checkpoint, I'm out cold, dark, moving slowly. It's going to take me another three hours to get to the next checkpoint. It becomes far too easy to make that call. Um, and she, she didn't drive. She made me sit there for about an hour so that in essence, I, I was supposed to be sure that it was the right thing to do. Yeah, um, suppose, yeah. But yeah, so that was a DNF. Uh, what order do they go? The South Downs, isn't it? Oh, yeah. South Downs 2018. Well, as Thames Path didn't go quite to plan, um, I didn't overly know whether I'd be able to finish South Downs. So I decided I was going to enjoy it. And I decided that that meant I was going to run at a solid pace and enjoy racing it. and I, th- I thought I would potentially build up a big enough buffer I could walk to finish. And I probably could have done. I was, it was not my choice not to finish that race. Yeah. So <laughs> I went through 25 miles in four hours, which was quite good. That's good. Um, yeah. By the time we got to 50, uh, that next 25 miles had taken six hours. Um, there may have been a slight lack of hydration going on on that day. Um, probably a slight lack of food as well, a distinct lack of training, quite a lot of hills, uh, which meant my quads had then pretty much been destroyed. Um, and then there were some caffeine bullets, which were like amazing. And, um, having seen me earlier on, um, Ali Bailey and Lorne Spain, from a bad boy running club yeah. were astounded when suddenly I, I caught them again moving like a train um, <laughs> and I disappeared off up the road for a little while and then a couple of miles later they found me crumpled well, they, I, I believe they might have um, re-passed me offered me a bit of food um, and I didn't really get much further I decided that I'd leave uh, might have been Housedean 67 mile aid station um, and I sat there for a little while and sort of recovered because I knew I'd gone into the red a bit. Um, and I left with a bit of food and I was walking up the hill and my legs were cramping. Uh, and then I got sick and I sat down to be sick thinking I'll be sick. I'll feel better and I'll carry on. Yeah. And I managed to get annoyingly for the marshals. Uh, I managed to get myself up the rest of the hill uh, before my legs decided they didn't really want to move much further. Um, and I'd get cold, so I'd put a jacket on. I'd get too hot, I'd throw up, I'd take the jacket off again. Uh, and then some other runners gradually came across me, and some of them didn't really want to take no for an answer as to what they should do with me. Um, so I was marched, well, more or less carried back down the hill to the aid station. And that aid station wasn't a crew point, um, so I'd warned my that I wouldn't be arriving at the next checkpoint anytime soon um, and the aid station weren't prepared to let me leave the aid station uh, and then once once the medical man um, was intervened and my crew arrived at the aid station in essence I was either pulled out on medical grounds or I was DQ'd for having crew somewhere they shouldn't have been oh, um, 
but I'd done two thirds of the course in half the time. So as far as I was concerned, I could still basically walk the last third in 15 hours. Um, and I haven't really changed my opinion much. I, I still think I probably could have finished that day if I'd been allowed, but, um, I ended up in Brighton A and E for the night on a trip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, and was it four litres, I thought, on a post? You had four litres of IV fluids. Yeah, it's prob- probably sounds That's about right, lot, yeah. <laughs> and there is some some level of something in your blood. I can't remember what it was. I just and the saw consult- your Facebook, rabdomolysis-induced CK levels, whatever that CK, is. CK, that was it. Yeah. Uh, creatine kinases or something That's like that. And, um, yeah, the consultant basically said that... Um, He'd never known anyone to have that kind of levels before. But he also said there are no studies on ultra runners and we don't know that this isn't something that can be trained. This may be perfectly normal for an ultra runner at the end of a hundred mile and with no intervention, you may clear it from your system in a week with no ill effects. There are, there are, there just aren't the studies to know whether that's possible. Um, you can train your body an alcoholic gets better at clearing alcohol, uh, through there liver and stuff yeah. um and you can train to um like low fat and uh running and you can train you say if you don't drink a lot all the time you gradually get your body adapts so but yeah um but i had a bl- blood test on the wednesday at, back at home and it was basically fine um now obviously that had been helped by the four liters of fluid they gave me yeah. um <laughs> but but yeah it was so at that point were you thinking that maybe 100 miles weren't quite for you as you've done so no many, no um, at that point i was thinking i wanted one. to finish this some <laughs> other people have intervened and stopped me finishing and i've got a point to prove um and i still had two more events that year which were in the calendar already because i'd volunteered for them. a lot of people would have taken a, a hospital visit at the time that maybe it's not the sport for them <laughs> so uh we had to go at north downs as well yeah. Uh, that was yet another ridiculously hot day. Um, I'd invested Ooh, in a set of hokers, wow. which were big and fat and marshmallowy. Uh, and I managed to twist my ankle inside the first 26 miles. Um, and I th- also, in hindsight, I think maybe the lacing was a bit too wrong or tight and pulling down on the tendons on the top of my foot. So I think I also confused pain from that with pain from the ankle. Mm. Um, uh, I also... I left Box Hill with full water, which I think at that stage I didn't carry as much as I do nowadays. <laughs> I slowly learn lessons. Um, so I, I think I had two 500 mil soft flasks plus a little hand one, like 400 mil hand one. Um, and going up Box Hill was long and hot and I pretty much drank it all just going up Box Hill. Um, and then had another couple of hours to go to the next checkpoint. Um, so a couple of people donated me some water, um, but I got to Rygate, uh, because I'd already hurt my ankle, there was no way I was pulling out until I'd done at least an ultra distance. Um, I got to Rygate having had a really crap last couple of hours. I was too hot. I hadn't been drinking. Um, so I thought, right, yeah, that's, that's, that's enough of that. And we called it a day at 32 miles. So that's 400 then, milers you've attempted, you've finished one so far. 
Uh, and then we had Autumn 100. So I finally got a bit of redemption. However, I was the final finisher in 27 hours 45. Um, that one, I can't really remember anything about that one offhand. Uh, I know it's out and back legs. It, I think it was just it was slow no, and wet. Yeah. Slow and wet and horrible. And I know Nikki had to try and turf me out of the aid station. And at 50 miles, I was up for quitting. Um, and she talked me out into carrying on. Um, and she said something about 75. I said, no, 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 I don't see how anyone can quit at 75. By the time you get to 75, you've done three quarters of it. You can't mm. quit at 75. So when I came back in at 75 wanting to quit, she, she reminded me of this uh, and hoist me out again. That's the um, autumn 100 is, is out and back four loop, isn't it? So yeah, it's all like your a cross. stuff is there. Yeah. And certainly when I did the autumn 100, when I came back at the end of my third lap, the person who won had already like collected his trophy, done the photos, had a wash and was off home. And you know you've got another 25 miles left, which yeah. Yeah, even it was a most good day is yeah, probably like seven or eight hours, isn't it, by that point? And um, yeah, so I was, I was heading out very, very slowly. Lots of people passing me in the other direction. And um, I think I'd grad somewhere along the way. I'd lost a good half mile on um, on distance, and in um, compared to the watch. And um, I was passing a couple of people, but then you get to the checkpoint and you're like, you've got like five minutes. I'm thinking, oh. <laughs> That means they're probably out, <laughs> and I'm probably now the last person in the race that's yeah. inside the cutoff. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, I, I thought I had enough time to do 18-minute miles. I've now got to do sub 16s to get back, and I got back to Little something, I think it is. Uh, no, Whitchurch, or maybe it's Little Whitchurch. Um, with with uh, I don't know, four or five miles to go, and I literally had seconds less than a minute of that cut off and it was basically run up tap your foot across the checkpoint to your timer beeps and then go again um and then but then you leave there and you've got a little hill you go up the hill and then after that it's downhill and flat um and even going to that checkpoint with the, the marshal that had been on the end of the road ran trotted walked up the road with me to the checkpoint sort of going you need to move you're going to get timed out and i'm like <laughs> i can't go quicker i'm going to cramp up and if i cramp up i will be out so it was just like sort of speed walking as best as i could to get over that checkpoint but then once we'd done that fine once i'd done that and i'd done the final hill i then sort of knew well i'm safe now um and i actually managed to eke 10 minutes back on, on the way back in um i was still last but I improved my PB by seven minutes from Viking. That's not bad, then. Um, at the Grand Slam, then you uh, you DNF two, finished yep. one and a half two, and finished one. <laughs> yep, in twenty eighteen. Yeah, that was for, for See, good, uh, good, good, solid start to it. Did anyone looking at that would not expect you to have uh, done quite so well at the weekend? Just going with that. Uh, I think there's one more. Uh... I went back and did Thames Path in 2019. Oh, yeah. um, and that was another 27-hour finish, 27.15. That involved a couple of hours being tended to after being found leaning on the fence, throwing up and unable to sort of control the... Um, I don't know. Just constantly convulsing, basically. <laughs> uh, and that got really cold through the night as well. 
Oh, yeah, everyone says that about Thames Bath, and you never believe it till you do it. It's ridiculous. It's just so cold. Um, I'm putting my so mates yeah, off because so I did you to do it right next year, and every time I mention uh, Thames Bath on a podcast, it's always someone going, oh, "It's really hard. It's really flat, and it's really cold." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't have too much problem with the flatness. Um, I'm not necessarily, I'm definitely not really great with hills and I'm not, well, no. I, I like the countryside and with that comes mm. doing hills. Um, but yeah, the heat and um, too much steepness of hills, yeah. um, probably not really my, my favourite thing. Well, that um, was your last 100 then in 2019. Was it? Yes. Yes, I've managed to finish one a year. I'm doing and your PB yeah. uh, was what around 27 you were saying 2715 yeah 2715. and so this year um, you decided when did you decide to run 100 miles on a racetrack or athletic track uh, it had been on my radar reasonably early in the yeah. year I don't know when Mark first announced it um, but I didn't enter until relatively late so i i wintered well last year um i put in a good block september october november and ran downs link in i think it was five and a quarter i think i was sixth and i paced that pretty well i had a load of chafing on my collarbones from my hydration vest um which kind of made me start slower because as I was running, it was bouncing more. So I sort of didn't until I drank the water. Uh, and I, I, I tape, you know, I use micropore tape and taped buffs around the straps to try yeah. and pad my shoulders. Um, that is a good tip. A buff is all the way down in the amount of time mm. I've, I've shoved it somewhere. I don't want to shove it just to get through a race. So I'm very good for that. And uh, caffeine bullet in the middle of that. And then uh, the last six miles, I was flying. Um, and I think I went from like 11th to 6th or something. Um, did a charity marathon distance run with a colleague. That was sort of six hours on my feet. Um, and then Portsmouth Coastal Ultra, um, which went well. Um, the bulk of it, the same as the, the Coastal Marathon route, but then you just do a bit extra on the Burley line. Um, and got third in that. That was 3.42, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you definitely at this point much better than the kind of short route, was it? It's your hundred, yeah. you're still looking a bit. That was the uh, Sunday, and then five days rest, and then on the Saturday, it was um, Winter Cross Ultra in the Milne Valley. So that's uh, two legs up and down um, flat uh, ex-railway line and two legs one that goes up winchester hill uh and one that climbs in the other direction somewhere um and that the first seven miles it took, it took a good seven miles and it took a good hour for my legs to loosen up from the week before um and the cars were the tight bit but after that moving reasonably well and you had that central aid station again so i was able to not carry much and just grab a drink um uh fourth i think i got fourth there um and then i had another couple of weeks off and then started this year with capital to country in middle of january oh yeah good one. um 
and that was that was solid um london area so it's a more na- national class field um and same kind of distance same kind of um finish time as what i did at the um local winter cross about 33 um, miles in i think from memory it comes up 43 43, 43 i'm getting yeah. confused with shards and spars aren't i yeah 43 that, yeah. um six and a quarter hours or 617 or something i think i did um but a race of that caliber that was only just inside the top 30 um, well, that if you if you're not through that gate in the first four or five people, you struggle, don't you? Because it's a mass start down the hill yeah, for a single gate. file uphill. Yeah. And, oh. <laughs> but um, but that that was, that was pretty good. I quite like that. I went wrong at some point. Some some guy who'd done it before assured me that we, we were definitely going the right way, despite most people going the other way. <laughs> he said they were going wrong, um, but no, we were wrong. So double back, lost a few minutes there. But that was lovely, and then finished along the canal. It was right. Which was quite quite amusing as well because at one point I heard some jangling behind me and I thought oh, I'm not going to get caught this close to the bloody finish. So I, I, I was up up in my pace and looking over my shoulder, and um, then eventually this guy was running parallel next to me up there and <laughs> stopped to have, to have his recovery on his interval training session he was doing. <laughs> so I was banging in like seven minute mileing towards the end of this ultra, cramping up because I didn't want to get caught by someone that wasn't even in the race. Hello. Yeah, I've, I've raced people that didn't even exist at the end of 100 miles before I've completely imagined other people. And, yeah, <laughs> if it gets you through, eh? <laughs> yeah. um, and I had a few weeks off, and the intention was that uh, Saturn running their um, Trolls one in February this year, I was going to have a crack at a 7 hour 50. And I had most of the season planned and laid out. I was going to do the 12 hour Phoenix one in March on the track i had endured 24 but um there was a trail one down x to x to x 22 mile trail race from i think it's seaton to x xmouth to seaton something like that mm-hmm. my club have been doing that for years and i've never got round to it because it's always three or four weeks before london and i always felt that going to do a trail race in the lead up to london probably wasn't the smartest idea so i've yeah. never done it so now it fits better with the kind of running i'm doing um, but I was, I was scraping ice off my car outside my house in February and some car ploughed into my car and me um, hit me in the left knee shunting me down the road and it was only minor-ish got checked out at the hospital and they said yeah you'll be alright um, hobbled around for a bit decided I was uh, I let the insurance get I, I accepted a very quick offer from their company rather than let my company deal with it and wait six months on physio and medical reports and yeah. crap like that. So I um, attempted to try and do my 50 miler, uh, which obviously wasn't a smart idea anyway. But um, the knee felt so, so, but it was probably affecting my gait. Uh, I got 22 miles in at an okay pace. And then my, um, my calf went, which I think was probably because I wasn't running in the same way I normally would without any injury. Um, so sort of hobbled up to marathon to tick that off because it was a timed event. So still counts as a marathon. Uh, and then COVID hit and everything else just evaporated. Um, Did but, you uh, motivated during COVID or because it's, uh, Some people kind of just I then I then I didn't run because I'd had the injury anyway. I then didn't run until middle of April. Um, so I think Saturn Trolls was maybe middle of February. 
Um, so I ended up with about two months of non-running. Um, work became work from home, which was crap. Um, and my head was not great. Um, so I need, once I was then not injured anymore, I needed to start getting out. Um, and with the part-time bus work having evaporated, I still see, I see the kids every weekend, but it meant I had Saturday morning free when I'd normally be working. I had a few more evenings free. Um, so I managed to start sort of getting out a bit and I did, did some, I decided maybe if I do some running, I'd be in three hour shape. So I did some marathon tempo work based on three hour pace. Um, so I do like a long run, but put in five miles at the end of it, but three hour pace, marathon pace. Um, uh, did a little solo 5k, um, and uh, solo 10k and managed to do that at six minute mile pace so i thought okay i'm reasonable but then my calves both calves were playing up um and i thought well i i i had north downs entered and it was like james was certainly giving the vibe that he felt it would go ahead unless things stopped him going so you you've got to look positive plenty of people were thinking things are not going to happen but i needed something to motivate me um so i had to take the assumption that it was definitely going to happen and i had to get miles in for it and currently i can't get any miles in because my calves are bad so i dropped all, all speed work i dropped all hill work so basically since june all i've done is train long but relative slow is relative all i've done since june is train at 845 pace on the flat on the flattest routes I can find. So that didn't really go so well with North Downs. It was like the hottest day of the year yeah. and it was hilly. So that the hills destroyed my quads. Um, I did find the, um, the twisty turny wiggling through gates and styles. After three hours, my pelvis was starting to hurt a bit. Um, and it was really hot. Um, so it had gone wrong in the first 30 or probably, but I soldiered on, got to 50, patched up some blisters at 55. Um, and then I really screwed up because I left the aid station at about, I think it was 54 and a half and I had five and a half miles to go to Rotherham. I went out that aid station and it was straight uphill. I was like, oh, didn't know that hill was there. That's really annoying. Kind of took the hill gently. But then in my brain addled state i got confused as to what the cutoffs were and because it was a time trial format although other people around me were assuring me that there was no danger of being timed out mm. i was like yeah but i might have started two hours before you and i i think i think some of the races potentially autumn hundred in the winter may have a shorter cutoff than what north downs does um so i kind of miscalculated some cutoffs in my head and decided it was necessary to be running at 12 and 13 minute miling. Otherwise I was going to miss the calf. Uh, I did a few miles like that and that kind of put my um, core temp through the roof. Uh, and then I just was back to walking at 20 minute miling. And it took me about an hour to do three miles to Rotherham. And again, I had crew there with a car and it was the middle of the night and it was cold. And if I leave this checkpoint, it's going to be about three hours till I get to the next one. Yeah, and I had a pacer lined up from Bad Boy Running Club, but that was for eighty miles, and that might have been taking me another 
eight hours or something yeah and i just you know i'd uh, i'd made my peace with quitting even before i got to that got to that checkpoint uh and it was just no but that that was a yeah so coming into the track hundred i had four dnfs and three 27 hour finishes and the cutoff for the track was 25 hours so yeah and the cutoff was right so as long as i finished i was gonna get a pb well, or not, or get timed out for that. Well, or get timed out, but it 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 it'd be in a good sixty-mile training run, basically. Mm. Um, and I had had a good, good, good little block going into it. So, uh, in and without July, so in in June, July, I had four weeks averaging thirteen hours a week and ninety miles a week. Uh, then I had the taper, did, did North Downs, which was a good 60 in one day. I had a recovery week. Then I put in another 70-mile, 10-hour week. Uh, had a week off. I didn't run with the kids. Um, I had the kids for a holiday, so I didn't run. Then a week that was classed as taper, so no, again, no running. And I did the, the Phoenix 12-hour one. Um, and again, I, because – so basically, COVID happening – wasn't really a bad thing for my running races because I was injured in March anyway. Mm. So it kind of shunted the calendar six months. So I did the Phoenix 12 hour in September instead of the one in March. So I went into that, went into that with the same goal I had in, in March, which was a seven hour 50, which I thought might be doable. Um, I ran quite well for 34 miles and then I kind of exploded (laughs) and um, could barely walk. Uh, and that was quite hard because my car was just over there and I'm only four and a half, four hours, 45 or something into a 12 hour race and I'm walking and it was like, oh my God. Yeah, I can certainly sympathise based on the weekend. It's when you've got a constant exit sat there. But that it, it almost helped as well because in a point to point race, you're, you're having to commit to leaving that checkpoint for maybe three hours in mm. cold and dark because most of my DNFs have ended up being at night. Um, whereas on the track-based one, although it's kind of hard to think I can go home now, it's also I can run another 10, 20 minutes or walk another 10, 20 minutes. And I can quit any time I like. And every time you might think of quitting you've only got to actually commit to another 400 meters or not even that because you can walk walk back if you want well, yeah. <laughs> um so i so i took food and drink on and i spent nearly an hour walking at phoenix in september and then i managed to settle into about 11 minute mile pace for a while um and that felt kind of comfortable um and then i'd missed any targets i might have had um but rick told me that what their 12-hour record was and i thought that sounds doable um and we got and i started sort of having something to eat every lap i would every hour on the hour i would walk a lap whilst eating and drinking because going slower meant it was easy to get get stuff in yeah um and i even did that at 11 although i was tight for my new goal of trying to get his record um but then but uh, 60 something can't remember um but um i i then thought right 
I'm going to take this break at 11 hours anyway. But then I think, right. And he, he checked and he said, you need to up the pace a bit. You've got to do 10 minute 40 something or whatever for the next 50 odd minutes. And I said, I'm not sure I can do that. I, I might cramp. I'm, I'd prefer to do 12 minute miles, but I think I've got a nine minute mile in me <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Um, but I'd had an, yeah. And again, I had a caffeine bullet at 11 hours and, um, I managed to be running more closer to nines for three or four miles. Um, and then I upped it at the end and I really hurt myself. I, I, I my fastest lap of the day was the final lap. My fastest mile, um, was probably around eight hours when I was trying to chase 50, 50 miles in eight hours. Um, but my last four miles were only 30 seconds a mile slower than my starting pace for the first 34. Now, yeah, I'd had a big break in the middle and I'd done a lot of walking to recover, but I'd also run 65 miles and then still been able to do four miles slower, four miles, only 30 seconds slower than yeah. my starting pace. That's recovery, and yeah. that race, maybe seven weeks ago, totally gave me the strategy and I didn't pay the money to enter um, the Cockbane Track 100 until after I'd done the Phoenix one. That race kind of went pretty well. I did 71.1 miles in 12 hours. Um, and I knew that it had gone well, but it had also gone really badly. And I knew how and why I could change that and fix that. That's a good approach, isn't it? Yeah, to come out of that and have that as a learning experience and know where you need to target. Uh, and at the Cockbane one, it was someone had suggested these black boxes from home base. Yeah. So I went and got one of them and I am a faffer an overthinker. And I put everything in that box <laughs> and I barely even opened it during the race, but it was there. I was, kind of confident in that i know in the past i've run good short distance times and i'd also run this 12 hour 70 mile six weeks ago that if you extrapolate it up probably meant i could maybe run sub 17 yeah. uh but i was also aware that i've had four dnfs and 327 hour finishes so any other person would probably look at me and think how yeah, like, if, if it, you'd it, been a racer, or if you don't, you'd have got particularly good odds, would you? For nah, it's like people people see me blow up in all, in these hundred mile trail races and think that I'm an idiot, or I'm I'm pacing it wrong, or I'm I'm being too aggressive and going beyond my thing. And maybe I am a bit, but I've actually now shown something to say. Well, going out for twenty hours in a trail race, it isn't really totally beyond me on the right day yeah everything's gone wrong a lot of times and it's been a learning experience so at, at the one at the weekend i went out with a plan and i went out over a minute slower than i'd started the phoenix one at and i planned to take a walking lap to eat and drink every hour I prepared a whole load of sandwiches. I had little a quarter a quarter of a sandwich every hour. Um, I had other stuff. Some well. people would say compared to you're obviously fairly efficient on your calories. Oh well, I, I was drinking as well. I had um, science and sport beta fuel, 
which is like Morton, and it's I think it's eighty grams of carb in the thing, uh, and it's winter. I I don't tend to drink a lot anyway, so I made it with less water, so it was more concentrated. So I had four okay. hundred mil four hundred mil of fluid, but that had eighty grams of carbon. Um, so each lap, I no not each lap, each, each hour, I would take an, uh, I was hoping to take a fresh bottle, but even then, I wasn't even drinking four hundred mil some of the time. Um, but uh, uh, for the first six hours, I took a sandwich and a fresh bottle every hour. Yeah. Um, later on, I had some tortilla chips. I had um, some jelly babies and midget gems. Um, and then I had I tried to have a Mars bar, but it was just too claggy. I just could not <laughs> eat this Mars bar. I carried it for 20 odd minutes trying to eat it. And in the end, I just gave up. Um, and then that was kind of when I stopped eating, which was probably, I, at worst, it was 11 hours. I, I didn't really, didn't really do much after 11 hours. Um, and I just went, went to drinks at that point. So, in terms of obviously your pace and you knew you were on for a, a or you hoped to be on for a good time. How did you avoid going off like a loon? Cause it's on a track because i had learned i learned discipline from the from the phoenix one um i knew what pace i wanted to run at um and i've also got a stride foot pod um so because it was foot pod not gps and i've run with it over the last four years i knew i could trust my pace whereas people on gps less so could yeah you get on a track you don't you you could take 400 meter splits or something but to try and remember to do that and to try and sort of be adding up two minutes and this plus two minutes and this every all the time yeah so i knew i could trust what my watch was telling me i I was about half a mile out over 100 miles so it was really really consistent and good but um yeah I, i knew what pace i wanted to start at I deliberately started on the front row because I didn't want to get caught behind people. And I also wanted to be able to see and count how many people went off head. Cause I, I didn't have the time or resources to try and Google everyone in that race. I was aware of James Parsons cause someone had mentioned him in one of the groups and I he'd done a sub 18 solo, um, hundred mile challenge during lockdown. Um, Jess Gray, one of the um, ladies there, I'd seen her run the previous year at the Centurion Track 100. So I knew she was capable of sub-17. Um, I'd heard her names like Paul Alley. Um, so I thought there's a few good people here. And there were other people in the group that said they were looking for sub-20. So I, I, I knew that if I was going to do sub-20, I might be in the top 10 or top 5. Um, so I thought, well, I'll start near the front and I'll see then I can know who's in front of me. Um, and loads of people went off really quick. And I was like, probably <laughs> 15th or 20th after two laps. Yeah, I was running like... the pace I want. I'm thinking I'm, I'm starting at 15 and a half hour pace, expecting to fade. And there's all these people in front of me. And I just thought, Oh my God. And then after about two laps, Jess caught me, uh, and we ran together for a little while and I thought, and that kind of reassured me that I know that she can run this, a good pace. She's won Centurion races and she's next to me. So this is definitely the pace I want. Yeah. Um, she was feeding every five miles. I was feeding every hour. So as soon as we got to five miles, we fell out of sync with each other. Um, 
but looking at the stats, we stayed within a lap or so of each other for maybe six hours or so. Um, and for the first six hours, I, I ate every hour and stay consistent. And at six hours, my pace hadn't dropped. I was still averaging five and a half pace thinking, hmm, this is going quite well. Yeah. But I still assumed I was going to slow down. But I had a caffeine bullet at six hours. You could have a caffeine bullet, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love them. I've, I've been using them since, line, since they honest. first since they first came out. And um, but yeah, the the leader James had gone off like a lot of people relatively quick. But I knew that he'd done this good time in lockdown. I thought I have no idea really anything else about him. He may well be capable of running a time like that. In which case. Good luck on him. So um, you were 23 minutes behind a marathon distance when I looked at it. So I think he, I think it is most he pulled out about 35 minutes on me. Yeah, um, which which is but, a good um, chunk, isn't it? He, he was lapping me and lapping me and lapping me, and I was like, oh, geez. And um, but yeah, at one point I clocked he changed his shoes, and you don't change your shoes if everything's going perfectly. And then we had, we had some rain at one point and he, rain, like but... like most people, he stopped and put a jacket on. Yeah. And I didn't. If I'd put a jacket on, I'd have got too hot and overheated and I was warm enough. So I just stayed in what I was wearing. And it was 11 hours and 9 o'clock at night before I took my sunglasses off and put put anything any other clothes on. Because those the sunglasses were keeping the strong wind and the rain out of my eyes. I had a buff on, so that was keeping my ears warm, was the plan. But what it was actually doing was creating a seal above the, the top of the sunglasses. So there was no rain getting down into my eyes, and there was no wind driving into my face. And the spotlights came on, like, middle of the afternoon. Yeah, so that's... with the spotlights on, it never got dark enough to force me to take the sunglasses off. So I didn't need to. But, I mean, the, the footage that was on the group on account where we've uploaded quite a lot, it looked pretty bloody grim at night. It, yeah, it, it, it wasn't very nice. shuffling, wearing, you know, massive great kugels and what's the they stupid were. thing? Were, yeah. Sleeping bags, what are they called? Uh, dry robe. That's the one, yeah. People like yeah. shuffling there, around yeah. there looking like, it was amazing. I know, bloody... Yeah, I, I could hear a few people right. commenting, like, he's still in his sunglasses and isn't he cold, he's in a vest. Yeah. But... I was still moving and I was moving well and I was keeping warm. And if I tried to put other clothes on, I'd have overheated. Um, and yeah, so I'd seen, I'd seen that James has, um, he'd put a coat on at one point. Um, I pulled about half a lap back on him. I thought, well, this is good. He's slowed, he's slowed down somewhat here. And then a couple of times we dropped into, when he was lapping me, we'd, we'd drop into step with each other or I'd been at, had a feed stop and I, and we'd have a brief chit chat. Um, and then I was just finishing a feed stop at one point as he came round. So I sort of lingered and then dropped in with him, chatted to him mm. and he didn't drop me. And I thought, well, I, uh, I'm running a bit quicker than I want to here, but he's slowed that he's actually not pulling away and not trying to pull away. Um, and it took, and it took me to, well, I worked hard at one point into a headwind and he came with me and I thought bugger I thought he's got 12 laps on me someone had told me yeah. and I thought I work harder because I want to try and unlap myself 
and he works harder to stay with me, we might both end up destroying our race. Whereas I may achieve a better time if I just accept that I am where I am and I don't up my tempo. Um, but at some point I got away from him or he let me go and it took me about an hour to close 400 meters on him. <laughs> and then five laps later, I stopped to get some food. And somehow that stopped to me. I've checked since that stopped to me two minutes and six seconds. And he took the entire lap back that I'd worked an hour to get. You know, luckily, <laughs> not, luckily, not long later, he then stopped, but he was more efficient than me. He stopped for less time. And I think I was running at a slower pace than he was. Mm. So I only got half a lap on him because of his stop. And again, it took me a while to close it. So it took me two hours to close two laps down. And then it was, uh, it was, we were heading for, it must have been 70 odd miles. And he still had 10 laps on me, which was like 25 minutes. Yeah, because the last split on the website, isn't it, it was 62 miles. It was still 35 minutes ahead of you. Yeah. Or 30 minutes ahead of us. But yeah. But yeah, my, my section, when I had the caffeine bullet at six hours and then I started getting more up for it and I went from 9.18 pace to closer to, to nines and then I actually dropped closer to the 8.46s that I've been training at all year and it still felt pretty comfortable and I ran a 7.25, 50 mile somewhere in the middle of the, of the run um, and I was running quicker than him, but he had such a lead. I don't even know when I became the leader and he became second because <laughs> Karen, Karen and Mark were, were just sort of giving me lip and not uh, not not being helpful in a, in a comedy way. I mean, you could um, check, couldn't you, with your phone? Yeah, I, 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 I didn't stop alive. at all, all race. I, I, I had no intention of getting involved with looking at my phone. Right. Um, it was the first time I, the, the only time I changed, I went in my box really and changed clothes and stuff was at 11 hours. And I was stopped for about three and a half minutes. And that was ditch the sunglasses, put on a cap, put on a gilet, which I'd made. I'd, I'd researched and bought a windproof cycle gilet. And uh, I also found a cheap one with a mesh back. And I took the mesh back out and or cut the back out of the cycle one and put the mesh in. So I had a windproof front, but I had a mesh back so that I could my back would breathe and I wouldn't get too hot. Oh, yeah, and then every uh, pretty despite, right? most laps most laps going into the headwind i had it zipped up under my chin to keep me warm and then as soon as you were out of that wind i pretty much opened it again for ventilation and the the only annoying thing was when the, the wind was behind you and it was raining and it was actually driving rain into my back <laughs> which is a bit annoying but i was really happy with that item of kit choice because i knew that if i put a waterproof on i'd overheat yeah, I, I just I need to find a waterproof I can run in. I, I don't know how people manage to keep it on for hours. It's just they don't exist as far as I can see. A perfect waterproof. But my pacing stayed strong until ninety-five miles. It was only at ninety-five miles I slipped below my starting pace, which is just incredible. And I, I had a caffeine bullet at six hours. I had a caffeine bullet at eleven hours. And I had a caffeine bullet at thirteen hours. And having done hourly stops up until 
seven, I then went to two hourly because I was just running well and having fun. Now, that may have actually been a bad thing. Had it been a non-COVID event and had I had a supporter there to say to me, Mike, you need to be eating, you need to be drinking. Yeah. I was thinking, I haven't finished what's in my hand. I don't need another bowl. And I was thinking, I'm running well. I don't want to stop. But at a different event where someone could physically have held the bottle out to me and I wouldn't have needed to stop and waste time getting a new, another one. Um, I'm, maybe I'd have taken more calories on, more carbs on. Um, but, I, but I stopped at seven hours. I stopped. I did a two-hour stint till nine, two-hour stint to 11 when I got changed, had another caffeine bullet, did another two hours to 13, had another caffeine bullet. And then I did the last two hours, 20 nonstop. And I was, I don't know when, I don't know if I was in the lead at 13 hours or not. Uh, I think it's about somewhere around there, wasn't it, based on your splits? Yeah. So I, I might, I, I was certainly, I, I was running hard and I didn't, I probably didn't even know what position I was in. So mentally I was chasing him down, even if I'd gone past him mm. and if I'd gone past him, I was building a lead and I didn't know yet if I was going to crack. I was having a phenomenal day beyond <laughs> anything I thought I could have done. Um, but it still wasn't a foregone conclusion that I was even going to make it to the finish. I could have cramped at 80 miles and had to spend four hours walking home. Yeah. Um, and it just, just kept flowing and I just stayed in this lovely little groove and it it was nice. And you, you I finished don't... 35 minutes ahead of him. Yeah. <laughs> so that, like, I mean, uh, I don't know, I don't know what James can, can do and what he do going forwards, but it, it looks like he started too quick and then paid the price for it. And I started far more conservatively. Um, Although, I don't know what I could have done. Uh, suppose I, I ran a negative split hundred mile. Oh it's just, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I've been, I've been looking at all the, all the stats and all the data and it's just mental. Cause your finish time, time was, uh, which we haven't actually said officially was 15 hours, 19 minutes, which is quite frankly ridiculous, isn't it? And that's an average pace of nine minute 11, including all your stops by my calculations. Sorry, um, Mark, I missed that. So your uh, average pace worked at nine minutes, 11, including stops. So yeah, something like that. Out. So that's some, someone know, in my running club put that into context, which I was focusing on ultra numbers and thinking about, well, yeah. what if I'd carried on to 24 and what was my 50 mile split and stuff. Uh, it was pointed out that that's pretty much four back to back four hour marathons. Yeah, I mean, it's 909 technically. I was it? like, wow. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I mean. It's just. <laughs> and obviously, with that, you, you know, however quickly you are stopping and stuff, you are stopping and you're still maintaining that pace. Yeah. So that's, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, after my 11 hour caffeine bullet and put on the cap and gilet, my quickest mile of the race was uh, from 75.6 miles when I ran an 8.18 mile. And from 11 and a half hours to 12 and a half hours, I averaged 8.33. I mean, as you said, you, you know, that's 12 hours quicker than your previous 100 mile PB. 
So people often take big chunks at a hundred mile distance, but not not to that level. I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh... My bestest scenario was maybe 16 hours because I decided that I was going to start uh, what became 918 pace and was a, a minute slower than what I did at the Phoenix one. And I thought well, that's 15 and a half hours and I'm going to have, I'm going to lose at least two minutes every hour having a walking break for 15 hours. So I'm going to lose half an hour, which is 16. Maybe I can do a 1559, but realistically, 17 16 something is going to be fine and instead of slowing down i had some caffeine bullets and sped up and then just stayed there pretty much until 90 odd miles and then i only slowed down to my starting pace and it was only the last four and a half miles that were properly slower i mean it must have been mentally how do you keep focus for that long because i certainly couldn't and i've got well prior to this weekend i've not dnf'd 100 miler so you know there's the confidence in the bank that i could finish it and i just kind of wasn't quite fit enough and honestly got bored i don't think this one took, <laughs> <laughs> i don't think this one really took much motivation because i was yeah. going well um and i'm competitive so one once i up the pace and started chasing him it was like there's a risk that this might all go wrong and i caused myself to get a worse time mm -hmm. but i'm chasing him down i'm in second i've got a chance of winning a race <laughs> and all the time i'm running quicker i'm improving on the time suppose, yeah. and yeah i might it might blow up but i'm getting further ahead of anything i've got like a hour's buffer on what i thought i'd be happy with i can take try and chase this guy i can gain more time and if it goes wrong i can walk and probably still get something that's going to be incredible and yeah i was just having i it's one of those it's, i almost need to retire i do not know how i can top that race it just went pretty much it went so well it's like how would you do more because yeah, i mean you've got a spartathlon qualifier and stuff in there you've kind of yeah and i'm yeah. really chuffed to get that and maybe i'll go and do it but i'm really skint um that i think that would rely on funding from family um and then with covid maybe 2021 wouldn't happen anyway so maybe yeah. maybe that's something to think about in 2022 yeah, but given that i don't do really well with hills or heat <laughs> um i'm you not sure quick for the first like 50 miles or so on that so it might play to your strengths to some extent isn't it mm. so we're, we're a little bit more lenient we'll see about spartathlon i'm i'm chuffed through qualified i historic i i think i'd like to do it i just know that it doesn't really play to my strengths mm. um but what I also got, which I certainly didn't expect to get, was the sub-1530, which gets the Centurion, they do a track 100, um, which is geared, geared, towards, geared, geared towards elite. Um, so I'd, actually, I'd, elite probably, I'd probably be runners. at the back of that. But yeah, but, a lot um, of the ones you be running against are sponsored runners with, you know, yeah, um, money and stuff behind them and there's you rocking up. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
so yeah i've got the time for that i've volunteered at i've volunteered at a number of centurion races i've run other ones of theirs and this went rather well so mm. that certainly seems to be more appropriate to what has developed as my skills this year than Spartathon is. Um, so that's quite tempting. And even though this went really well, I lost not a lot of time, but I lost about six minutes with stops. So if it was a if it was a non-COVID event, yeah, I mean I, I've done Centurion race trail races where I easily lose more than that at one aid station. Yeah. Uh, so um but yeah i could um yeah i can see that potentially it wouldn't have been wouldn't have been a lot but if 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 i'd said to someone i want my gilet and hat next lap or i want a drink or caffeine bullet um uh, um s caps is something else that i haven't mentioned at all actually i was having one s cap every hour okay. um the salt capsules yeah so it was it was S caps and beta fuel every hour, sandwich a quarter of a sandwich for the first six hours, um, and yeah, it, it all just seemed to work. But but there's definite bits of time there that if you went and did an event like the Centurion one, that time could just evaporate <coughs> just because of the just because of the difference of it it would need to be non um a, a safe covid one but i don't know how they would how they do that maybe covid would still be up oh no you're gone hello oh there you go you're back oh just oh. The there. <laughs> yeah it's, um, may, maybe even if covid maybe even if covid even if covid was around maybe um they just say you're in your own bubble with your own crew or something um, yeah which makes sense so because there wasn't any crew at the cockbane one um but yeah th there's a few minutes that could be gained by being in a slightly different event like that um I, and I this guess. time i'd have the confidence as well i didn't know i could do that so now i could certainly go out at the pace i averaged this time uh, as a minimum and maybe you would go out quicker mm. um statistically apparently i've read that like the proper pro 100 mile runners they 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 would go out uh they will go out slightly quicker and gradually fade a bit um so if that is actually the best way of doing it that's not what i did so uh, and and i could if if i was going to try and concentrate on this sort of thing i could train for this sort of thing um i did it kind of de facto this year because i was avoiding hills um but it's gone all right but I've got nothing entered now before next March. I was going to say, what's your next I don't even know what my calendar is now. <laughs> well, the X to X 22 mile trail one down Seaton, that rolled over from this year. So yeah. I would like to do that, but it may become that it won't happen because of whatever I decide to concentrate on. Yeah. Um, I've got an Endure 24 solo Reading place that's rolled over from this year. So 24 hour race could be good. Um, but maybe I should have a crack at a few more races like this one. Um, or the, 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 the big golden winged unicorn or whatever would be, um, that's, that was quite a good race at the weekend. Um, and you, you need to scale it up a bit more. Um, 
but there's European and World Championships at 24-hour racing. Um, and to to do that and get managed to qualify to get a, in the GB team, that's got to be the pinnacle that of anything. That would be amazing, though, GB vest, um, hanging on the wall for years so, I could slow down slightly, maybe 30 seconds a mile, but you'd have to keep going for another eight and a half hours. Yeah. Um, which is a hell of a lot. Um, but by the same token, I've done all these <laughs> ultras that have gone badly, so I know <laughs> that I can be out for 27 hours. Yeah, you've got the same so, To go and so. race... To, and I've and a lot of those I've, I've been to really dark places and I've done it on training runs as well I've been out on a training run um, which is I, I was prepared and I had stuff with me but uh, it kept, became like a seven hour and a bit of a walk um, because I basically put myself into the middle of nowhere and then ran out of everything energy and <laughs> stuff and I didn't even have a phone signal so I couldn't oh, get hold of a lift home so I pretty much ran and walked back from the middle of the new forest um i think that was last year and then this year i, I really i pretty much run low carb um i do a lot of fasted runs um or definitely in the mornings i don't tend to drink um so i ran i run commute occasionally as well and that's a good way of getting you're getting seven or eight miles in before you even start your run because you've had to run home um run home drop the rucksack in straight back out the door within seconds if i can um and it was relatively hot evening and my hopefully five hour run having successfully done many four and a half ones um i got i was 10 or so miles from home and started not feeling quite so great and the last five miles took a long time but i hadn't drunk at all um and i think that's just something that you can make your body get used to and get better at accepting yeah um but it's runs like that when it's really really dark and crap and then you can still get home or whatever and recover or if it's in a long race you can actually get going again like in the phoenix track race um that you seem right and that that five hour five and a half hour one I got home, I hydrated, I ate, I got up the next morning and I went out and did a three hour run at a decent pace. It was like, <laughs> the and that kind of proved that it was literally the dehydration yeah. that was the problem. My legs had no problem to run again after having run the night before. It was the fact that the dehydration and stuff that got me. And it was it's finding the positives in the dark bits like that that then motivate it to sort of be like, ah, I can turn this around. I can, well, I've I mean, been in worse spots your whole kind of story is almost that, isn't it? That many disasters at 100 milers, most people would perhaps give up and you didn't just keep at it, you absolutely smashed it and uh, yeah, set a quite a frankly ridiculous time, one outright and yeah, qualified for events like Spartathlon that people probably dedicate five, ten years of their life trying to qualify for. So yeah, it's, it's a, a positive story of keeping at it, isn't it, really? Uh, I, I, I still can't believe it myself. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, 
I have been running forever. So you you can kind of argue that I've built up to it and I've done a lot of long runs and I've done marathons in the past. So it's not total, um, totally unpredictable or fluke. It's just the first time I've actually managed to tie up a long ultra to show the potential that should have already should have been there. Yeah. Do you not tend to go back and try and do the Grand Slam again now and you know, do them all in about sort of sub-16? Um, I'm planning to f- complete them all. Um, so I've been back to Thames Path and completed that. So I've still got North and South Down. So I've already had two cracks at North Down. Um, South Down clashes with Endure. So it wasn't on this year's radar for me because I was doing Endure, but now Endure's rolled over. Um, and there's other stuff, um, depending on... Why, which direction I decided to take my running, really, which wasn't really a thought last week, and now I kind of need to think weekend, more. Yeah. Kind of need to think more about what I want to do. Um, the canal races may be on the radar, but GUCR's ballot, which makes it harder anyway. Kenneth and Avon maybe, and I, I haven't looked into it at all, really. But the course record possibly looks soft. Um, I was about to say, compared to all, all three of them, compared to that sort of time, it's uh, yeah. Well, I think some of the, like Grand Union stuff. I think Dan Lawson's done it. And yeah. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not in. I'm, I'm not in, nowhere near going to get anything like that. But Kenneth and Al Avon, the the uh, records over twenty five. Or it's a twenty five something. Yeah. Um, and all right, I've still got to find another eight hours worth of running and not slow down too much, but. Um, it might be, might be doable. And it's Spartathlon's under 53. So I've either, if it, I've either got to go for long canal type races, which are going to take around 24 hours or 24 hour track races. Um, Not that many of them, I guess. And, and so it's, it's limited, but most of that wasn't really on my radar for next year. <laughs> so I now need to kind of evaluate how to build a season. And if you're going to go for, one of those events what do you use as a stepping stone earlier in the year um i i've got one bucket list challenge which probably isn't going to happen um so i oh, last huh? year for my <laughs> last year for my 40th i cycled lands end john O'Groats. oh yeah um but i don't tend to do things by off so i cycled from southampton to land's end to get going um <laughs> and and i also set myself for an aggressive target and i also camped a couple of nights um and up in scotland i was just in a ditch with a bivy and a tarp um so i i, I did from southampton to land's end to john groats in 10 days which is 1100 miles um so i i quite fancy running it now i'm not going to be going for a record like dan lawson yeah. um but nor do I want to do it. I've seen um, the uh, rat race, rat race, rat race right. they've started advertising. But that's going to be 30-odd miles a day for five weeks. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at more like 18 days. Two weeks plus the weekend either end. So three weekends and two weeks. Um, and I quite... I The only reason to go it as early as next year would be I like uh, I thought it might aid my logistics if I do John O'Groats to Ben Nevis over two days and then do the Cockbane Three Peaks 
and then run, then finish it from Snowdonia down. Um, yeah. But I don't have, the, other than three marathons in three days, I don't have the multi-day experience yet. Uh, yeah. And that would not fit training-wise, I don't think, with the idea of training for canal races or 24-hour races. And obviously, there's a, a, a glimmer of hope there now that there maybe one could concentrate and train and try and get a GB vest. Yeah. Which... I suppose you only get that chance ever, or most people don't ever, but... <laughs> If you yeah. do, you get that chance kind of once, don't you, to try and, and get it? So. And really, that's the kind of thing where I need to build on what I've just done mm. or accept or just go back to not being a thing that's ever going to happen. <laughs> uh, but at the moment, I've got to be the closest I would have ever been to it. That's so it, yeah, I, think, yeah, I think that possibility kind of needs to be explored. Cool. And if people want to kind of follow your... Uh, your, your running exploits then. And I really, I, I don't tend to have any kind of presence. Um, that might be a bit flawed now you're doing this well, a bit more presence. Well, you might yeah. start getting some, some free gear and you don't have to make I was, I was asked the other day about something and I said, well, I'm not looking to be an ambassador. I, I don't do Twitter. I don't do Instagram. My Facebook very, very rarely gets anything on it. This went on it because this was a phenomenal achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's not on there. I haven't been on Strava for probably over a year. So <laughs> there, there generally isn't really any way for anyone to follow me. Because um, well, well, I don't, don't do that sort of thing. See if you're there, yeah? yeah, see me on the start lift and um, gamble on whether you think it's going to be another explosion or <laughs> whether it might go well. Brilliant. Cool. Well, no, I mean, uh, yeah, best of luck, and we hope we, um, well, we hope to hear from you somehow in the future. Uh, thank you very much for uh, having a chat, Mark. It's really good. No, it's been really good because um, I did a very short one of these. Well, she was still going on the track, to be honest, with, with a few snippets that I recorded of my own demise. And I did say I should actually get someone on who actually finished it. At the time, I don't know, I quite expected it to be you. You looked very solid, but I didn't really know where you were in the scheme of things. You certainly looked like you're out there to finish, but I, I hadn't even, I just knew I was shit. I wasn't in a position to even know who was, you know, anywhere in the top five, ten, or whatever. Yeah, it, it took a while to claw it back. I, I sort of, I've looked at it afterwards and looked at the early splits, and it was like, well, it was sort of in seventh, but I was like yeah. way down, and the next split, I was even further down, and then. Paul Alley and a guy called Steve both seem to start slowing a lot. Um, and then I caught Jess. Uh, and then I think after six or seven hours, someone said, you're seventh, uh, you're second. I was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> well, the important thing to focus on is I beat you to half marathon distance. So we should focus on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know it all went horribly wrong, but there you go. Cool. Well, thank you much for coming on and yeah, best of luck for the future. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks to Mark there for coming on and telling us his story. It's certainly a tale that's worthy of a Hollywood movie with more than his fair share of adversity and still managing to not just finish, but end up victorious. And it's just amazing in his case how quickly your life can change prior to the weekend. He was a, a very fast marathon runner with a few shorter ultras under his belt and to be honest quite a few disastrous 100 milers and today he sat there 
with Spartathon qualifier, wondering if you can push a bit harder and end up qualifying for Team GB. Hopefully you've all been inspired by what he's achieved and his uh, inability to really take no for an answer there. We've all had bad races and it can certainly hit your confidence. But in the case of Mike, it just seems to have spurred him on to do even better. Maybe that's something we can all learn from. Coming up, I've still got the Berlin episode and a few more that I need to get sorted. Any races you'd like to see featured, then drop us a line. Game over.